I'm joined now by Jim Wyant and Michael Apfel of MidOcean. MidOcean are one of the new managers in the Strategic Income Fund, which we launched uh, last November. Gentlemen, good afternoon to you. This is the first time that uh, MidOcean have featured in our investment recordings. What I'd like to do is start by asking you, if I could, to briefly describe your investment strategy and uh, and your investment approach. Sure. Uh, Look, we manage a dynamic, long-only strategy focused on U.S. high-yield bonds, Our strategy is based on really exploiting value opportunities within the U.S. high-yield market. And a meaningful portion of this strategy is targeting the high-yield market that is not the most widely held or commonly held bonds within high-yield. We believe uh, the market for these securities tend to be less sufficient as they are less covered uh, by sell-side and really at times by the buy-side analytical or the research resources. And we're able to exploit these inefficiencies really through our deep fundamental skills and knowledge around the technical to create value for our investors. And is it, could I ask, and Jim, maybe I could ask you this question, is it the fact that that these are mid-cap credits as opposed to the large-cap credits that gives you this opportunity that you're seeking? We do definitely like and prefer the fundamentals within mid-cap corporate high-yield credit. And there's some interesting phenomena that are going on here. You know, one is since 2008, we've seen the largest credit investors within high yield get meaningfully larger. In fact, about 41% of the asset class is controlled by the top 10 credit institutions, and that forces them to focus on the most liquid end of the markets. On the other hand, prop desks, which used to be very active in the mid-cap, they've been eviscerated due to some of the regulatory changes here in the U.S., so what you've got as a result is the mid-cap space, which tends to be meaningfully less competitive and as a result offers meaningfully greater relative risk-adjusted uh, yields versus the, uh, the the more liquid space. And that creates the inefficiency that you were referring to earlier. Exactly, exactly. The, the interesting part is it's 75% of the issuers, so there's still plenty of names to choose from. By, by not participating in the most liquid end, that part which we think has been overbought, we actually still have at our disposal uh, about three-quarters of the high-yield market to look at on an issuer basis. Okay. And perhaps you could help me understand uh, what that means in terms of issuance in the market. Are you seeing good and interesting issuance that, that means you can take um, advantage of these sort of opportunities? I think that's definitely true in in general and then specifically within the environment we've been at for the last few months where we've seen increased volatility uh, within the U.S. high-yield markets, uh, that that's created what would normally be a several hundred basis point premium, and we found uh, some of those opportunities to be even more enhanced in in points of volatility, where on the primary market, you've seen some uh, issuers price at very wide levels, particularly those less well-known issuers, uh, to make sure their deals get done in an otherwise turbulent primary market. And perhaps we could dig a little deeper there and and talk briefly about one or two names in the portfolio and why uh, you like the businesses and why you think there's an opportunity. Sure. Uh, There's a name we participated in the the primary just in the first couple of months of this year, which I think fits the scenario we're talking about. It's a bond for a company called GFL Environmental, which is one of the three largest waste disposal companies in Canada. Uh, The bond was issued at uh, 9 and 7 so a very large coupon. If you look at their capital structure, they've got three three bonds in total, which are all 250 to 300 million dollars in size. So it definitely doesn't hit the radar of many of the larger investors. When you dig down into into the credit, we like it in that it has very recurring revenues due to long-term municipal contracts and has very limited exposure to construction or energy-driven regions. So can I just ask? Um, and sorry to interrupt you. Can I just ask? Sure. Just so that we understand and our, and our listeners understand what you what the impact of this leverage is in terms of the holdings in the portfolio. Sure, I guess what I'm referring to is the the multiple of of EBITDA through which we're investing. 
So for this company, there's roughly $230 million of annual EBITDA, and the aggregate amount of, of, of their debt, including the uh, ABL revolver, is 4.6 times that amount. Uh, and that's relative to the enterprise value multiple. So the, the rough value of the company in aggregate, including its equity, which we think would be in the low double digits. Okay. And is there another example that you think illustrates your, your approach in a succinct way? Another name we've been buying uh, recently is the bonds of a company called Innovation Ventures. This is probably a little better known as the, the company that's behind the five-hour energy uh, drink, which is popular here uh, in the U.S. In fact, it, it dominates the, the, the liquid energy shot market and has been growing at, at, at double digits. There's a 9.5% bond, which matures in 2019, which uh, you're buying at kind of a high 7 uh, yield, uh, yield to maturity. This bond is levered less than two times uh, as a multiple of EBITDA and a senior secured. And the valuation for these businesses, we think, is well into the double digits. In fact, its closest energy energy beverage competitor, uh, Monster Beverages, trades publicly for north of 20 times. What we like about this company beyond its market share, its its growth, and its high yield is that there's a covenant within the documents, which which may not be initially recognized by, by, by by some investors, that only allows the owner of the company to take out dividends if the leverage remains less than two times. So that, coupled with the short duration in a 2019 bond, uh, we think really, really limits you know the risk we have uh, with, within this company and, and makes us think it's a very attractive yield for, for the risk we're taking. So, so what you're describing is a real technical knowledge of the way in which the legal structure of the bond is, is determined that allows you to form a view on the opportunity with this bond compared to other potential investors in it. Is that correct? Exactly. And, and unlike if you compare this to a much larger issuer where there's going to be many people writing research and helping you get that information because they're, 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 they're actively supporting the research efforts of, of investors, in, in these cases, there's much more information opacity, which creates the ability to have differentiation upon what you know about the name versus what others know about the name. That's, that's one of the reasons why we like this space. Okay. Yeah. And, and Michael, one last question for you, if I may. Uh, I suppose what I'm, uh, I'm trying to understand is the broader opportunity set that you're seeing over the medium to longer term for the, uh, the, the, the US mid-cap high yield bonds. Do you see this as, a, as an attractive entry point at the current time? We do. I mean, the volatility that uh, Jim spoke to a moment ago still continues. Obviously, just have come through quite a volatile time, uh, really beginning of the latter part of, of last year, and through the beginning part of this year. So today, you know, high yield on average sort of uh, yields in the U.S. just underneath 9%. Um, that's down a little bit from, from its peak sort of yields more recently, just about a month ago. But we think that uh, still that where spreads are, uh, things are quite attractive in the U.S. As we uh, saw last week uh, with the Fed and its, uh, its, its policy basically, to uh, uh, basically uh, really just raise rates targeted from 25 to 50 basis points the remainder of the year, uh, they took very much a dovish approach or tone. That basically also with just the other sort of central bank policies going around the world, we think makes credit, particularly U.S. high yield, very attractive as it's been, they're going to be very accommodative. And that also in the U.S., think some of the fears over, you know, potential slowdown in the U.S. economy, those fears have been fading, uh, which also is a positive uh, for U.S. high-yield bonds. Gentlemen, that, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. 
where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.